0: look at us now tip to tip
2: this is our life this is our passion that's the spirit we bring to this
0: show i'm luke thomas i'm brian campbell this is morning combat
2: Oh, 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 oh yeah it's friday it must be time for another lethal injection of that art the sauce right it is coming back around again This is for the people of the sun or the fist, depending which side you're on. It's Morning Combat, the award-winning combat sports showcase dedicated to all things comedy, Delta Eights, and sometimes even fights. I'm Brian Campbell, your hostess with the most S, uh, the American Alpha, the BBC with that BDE, follow below. I'm sure you enjoy what I sprinkle on top of this here meat, but I know you come for that beef, right? You come for it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you do. It's Luke Thomas from the nation's capital. And Luke, considering we're what? Well, considering we're washed, but considering we're just a few days away from going to London, I mean, could you be any happier right now? Seriously.
0: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm more just delighted that you think of me as the hot beef injection of this show. I really is just a wonderful place to be. Uh, BC, yeah. I got to tell you, man, we had discussed it prior, right? Like, we just didn't want to get on that plane Feeling a bunch of stress about how's the week gonna go? Did we sell enough tickets? Blah blah blah, dude. You know who the hell knows? We still have to go there and make it all happen, but I am feeling great about this trip. I am feeling so happy. We can report that we have literally just a couple of dozen left, uh, tickets left to sell to this thing. It is gonna be a uh, uh, not near. It could be a sellout, but it's gonna be either a sellout or right at it, like right at the line. We're gonna have Dan Hardy there. We're gonna be shooting all kinds of Woo. RSDs while we're there. We're gonna have doc content while we're there. Dude, London is gonna be a blast. I am so London's gonna bang,
2: Tui. It will. to right now, of course, it's Friday, February third. We're about to set the stage for the combat weekend to come. But everything Luke said is true. Just a few days from now, Wednesday, February eighth, King's Place is the venue in London, the King's Cross, not King's Court, King's Cross section of London. Of course, we're headlining Pod Live, the first annual podcast festival brought to you by the sports podcast group they named us podcast of the sports podcast of the year in 2022 i mean that's ridiculous but luke we get 90 minutes to show the world what we can do you mentioned the outlaw dan hardy you can still get tickets as of yesterday this is full disclosure folks about a 500 seat venue we were we were down to 49 tickets yesterday a bunch more moved overnight so i don't know where we're at luke 25 30 i mean we are closing a couple
0: dozen or so
2: uh and that's that's all thanks to you guys i mean we've never even i've never stepped foot in the uk and here we are here we do it whether you're coming from ireland nova scotia wherever uh we're excited to be there with you so uh could be the time of your life could be the beginning of more like this to come but just a reminder that's going to go down live february 8th that episode if you can't make it is going to air friday february 10th uh ahead of that weekend's fight so uh that's what's going on we got a great show planned for you today of course to set the stage for a kind of weird UFC Fight Night card that's going to go on in the middle of the night on Saturday. And, of course, Bellator 290 on CBS. Uh, Week three of Luke and I doing our new segment called Okay, Bet, you better Bitch. Uh, we're gonna break down our five picks this week, see if I can pull my way out of the gutter so I don't have to end up at some cannibal uh horse concert and uh watch cannibal children horse, get, where you're gonna go? get, yeah. get mutilated or something. But uh Mikey Mormall on the ones <laughs> yeah, and I'm two. Gonna see, uh, I'm
0: gonna see Pantera when they come to town in uh September, I think. September.
2: Now, uh, with respect to where we're at in the Pantera's history, is uh Phil mm-hmm. still singing?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, half the members of Pantera are dead. I mean uh, that's you know, what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like it's like half I just heard here, a half cover band, you know.
2: I just heard Little Feet is coming around, Luke, and I'm like, okay, that's great. But didn't Lil' George die like a couple decades ago? Like, I don't know if you can replace certain people, Luke. Have the they replaced Bag Daryl?
0: Yeah, you don't. But they've got Zach Wild on guitar for folks. Oh, I know oh, he was in Black oh, Label shit. Society as well as he was Ozzy's guitarist for a long Dude, time.
2: I saw him live uh, with Ozzy, and he 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 kicked an he, asshole through Luke. Yeah, right? He begs. and I also
0: he has a song I think he wrote with Black Label Society. To Dimebag after he died, so I think they'll probably perform that on various points on the road. So it's he, he was kind of an obvious choice there. Uh, I forget who the other Donk is. You have to forgive me, but uh, yeah, I mean it's enough to get me to go. Really, I mean,
2: oh, we like to remind you of our great partners, and you know, of course, the label that pays us, uh, Team Paramount over here. You better believe that. But Showtime.com right now can get you 30 days free of Showtime. We're talking about Bellator MMA Championship Boxing Showbox with your boy BC and W Kamal Bell's Cosby doc which should not be slept on folks okay and <laughs> certainly not post roofy that's got for sure. nominated but, uh, for check...
0: an emmy if i'm not mistaken right you
2: damn right uh check it out there showtime.com and obviously there's 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 news in the future about showtime paramount plus all that you know we'll walk you through that as that happens here but same great content same great wash dads here bringing it to you okay so okay bet we're going to hit that later in the show for sure or maybe even right now, I gotta. Uh, yeah, I think we up. do it
0: right off the top, there, guy.
2: <laughs> maybe I should get caught up on the rundown. But look, before we kick this show into gear, um, anything else you want to talk about? Mention you know everything good in your personal life, because sometimes, look, you can you can agree to this. And when I say sometimes, I really mean permanently. This show is only as good as your attitude.
0: It's a harsh way to put it, but <laughs> um... this
2: this is this is definitely an intervention. Yes. <sighs>
0: uh yeah no i'm feeling great i'm feeling great Uh there'll be a post show tomorrow for bellator right here so come back and, and see me f- following bellator 290 on cbs it's basically free you can watch it there so uh yeah other than that i just have a weekend with the fam before i hit the road and that's it man you all right
2: all right Tuki thomas a lot of, a lot of london stuff coming her way like luke i gotta get my kids like a bag full of european candy are you gonna do the same for tukes
0: uh, I'm not going to give her the candy but uh yeah she's going to expect I you know and it's also like this is a weird thing that Colombians do like dude if they, if you get on a plane to go see someone I don't yes. care like how, when would last time it doesn't matter if you get on a plane to go see someone you have to bring them gifts you just have to I don't understand it but that's what they do so you know I have is to Is that bring why gifts. you're
2: always trying to touch me a lot when we see each other? Luke?
0: Uh no that's because you know <laughs> I can't even say I can't even do half the jokes I want to do anymore, or we'll get demonetized. But BC I want you to know I had a absolutely inappropriate joke I wanted to save, you. save it for only pipes, Luke. One day, all
2: right. There you go. Uh, all right, we're about to start the show. We got a fun weekend of fights, a little bit of news to sort out, maybe even your dead wrongs on the other side. Reminder morning I combat last week. Yeah, morningcombat at gmail.com is your way to reach the show. Say hi to Mikey for us, but uh Let's start the show right now, and we'll kick off with our opening segment. This is the third week we're doing this for the new year. Okay, bet.
0: Okay, bet. Okay, okay bet. bet. Okay, we throw have the animation. Any, have you, have we had some graphics for this. No? There it is. Okay. All right. So, to, so so to recap. There,
2: so, two weeks ago was week two, and we're doing this for a full year. Luke and I will compete every week by picking five picks head-to-head. We will pick the main event a favorite from the weekend, an underdog to win from the weekend. Which fight will either go over and under, and which fight will either end in a KO or a submission? What you're looking at was our week two results after I bombed out and went 0 for the first week. These are wrong.
0: Mikey fucked it up. These are wrong. Why? Because, A, Rodriguez is spelled wrong. It's an S. But more importantly, he lost. I had him as the favorite. That's true. That pick is correct. But yeah. the problem is, and I should have seen it before, Mikey. So I accept, you know, my, I'm not trying to air him out. I, I should. He he posted them, and I didn't even notice till now. So it's on me too. But, uh, but no, no, I picked I picked Rodriguez to win, and then he got beat. He got knocked out in the first round. So I only got two of those right last week. Pretty well. Two. Fucking awful.
2: Update the standings right now. Overall, in our head-to-head competition, and of course, at the end of 2023, the loser has to attend a music concert of the other's choice with Jake von Amsterdam and the doc cams present Uh, right now. Luke is six and three through two weeks. He went three and two officially in week two. I am get ready for this, Luke one in eight overall. I, I correctly yeah. picked Jamal Hill it would thrill us, but uh one in four, two weeks ago. So I got, I'm, I'm five picks down here. I've got to start pulling my weight up from the basement forward. So Luke, there, you see the updated standings at the moment. Uh, apparently you are the, uh, you know, forget about the red and blue corner or the, the prime hydration water recovery zone or the Harley Davidson prep point. I am the fist. You are the sphincter Luke in terms of the uh, monopoly, uh, Pegs that we're using to, to yeah, but I, so these. for example,
0: though I think we I think we'll have to update this, and again, this is on me too. I think oh, two weeks ago, I was three and two. I thought two weeks ago I was four and one. No, no, no you lost that.
2: Glover and Robocop, dude. Come on, catch up. All right.
0: No, 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 no. This past weekend, yeah, oh. I was uh I was two and three. But the two weeks ago, I thought I was. Anyway, whatever. Well, well, yeah, well I, I'm I'm in the lead, but not by much. And and also, like, I'm not doing great. You're just terrible you're terrible well i mean you know i
2: don't i don't know if my you know i've got a track record Luke, that involves you know great moments like woodley till and you know will and ganu Russell and all that great stuff but you know i took some chances early on luke because i you know i too like to live dangerously but uh uh i'm trying to get back so we will kick it off this week on okay bet and, of course, for our number one pick, we both picked the main event of what we consider to be the biggest fight of the weekend. Does it get any bigger than Bellator 290? 9 p.m. Eastern is your main card. Three-fight kickoff time on CBS. And it's Bader versus Fader Part 2 when Bador and Fedor, Luke, meet for the Bellator <laughs> Heavyweight Championship. Uh, the 46-year-old legend. We have to make the pick. So you have champion's advantage, Luke. you going first or second here?
0: Uh, I like going second. That's worked better for me. I'll go second. All right,
2: here we go. I got to play it safe now. And your odds are telling you that Ryan Bader is around a minus 300, minus 330 betting favorite. He knocked out Fedor Emelianenko in 35 seconds in 2019 in the finals of the World Grand Prix. And I do understand because I'm one of the people that are banging the drum loud enough that like, look, Fedor may give us and himself like the ultimate walk-off wholesome moment. I'm romanticizing this. I want it. As much as I love Ryan Bader, I want this Fedor moment. I'm a selfish fan right here. But I can't get past this notion that it's true. This version of Fedor, even though he's 10-2 and in this last 12 years of his twilight, he's not built to go five rounds. He might not even be built to go, go a round and a half or even two full rounds here. He comes in there looking to get into a skirmish and knock you the hell out. Bader's got the wrestling advantage. He's quicker. 39, yes. But what he's shown at heavyweight is, look, he can take you down and control the action. I think that's what he does. I think he's not going to be afraid in this instance to try to gas Fedor out, try to beat him up on the ground if he gets the chance as the fight develops. Will he walk through danger? Of course he will have to early. But I want a big feel-good moment. But in combat sports, Luke, that almost never happens. Seriously, that, that almost never happens in moments like this. And even though Bader's 39, like, like, look, it's this is not, you know, a slam dunk. That's why the oddsmakers are respecting Fedor's power. But Bader's going to take him down, and he's going to control this. And uh, he's going to defend that heavyweight championship. That's my pick, Luke. Where are you going?
0: I think you probably have made the right pick. Uh, Bader is a fairly sizable favorite. He's on a two-fight win streak. Both of those hard-fought against, you know, um, uh, experienced or otherwise, you know, reasonably talented opposition in the case of Moldovsky. And um, he had to go the, the full distance in both of them. And so they were ugly wins, but they were like real legitimate wins. Uh, not overwhelming, but in a sense, overwhelming in terms of damage, but overwhelming in terms of um, just the kind of pressure he was able to apply. He should be able to do that here. Um, but you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to have a little fun with this one. Listen, we just saw Frankie Egger get iced and we didn't get the goodbye we wanted. Then we had to watch Shogun get iced. And that was not what we really wanted, but that's how the sport goes. In all likelihood, the sport's probably going to go like that tomorrow as well. But for fun, to be different, and honestly, I will say this in defense of Fedor, he fights in a very open style, and that's going to cause problems for him sometimes. But it's going to it's going to help him overachieve in other times as well. He's just accepting of a certain level of risk, uh, particularly exchanging in the pocket. He still has pretty good speed, obviously for heavyweight. And you know, again, one more time, Ryan Bader's thirty nine, so he's not like exactly young himself. Um, there's a there's a chance he could certainly get it done. I, I think you probably made the right call, but for fun, I'm going to go with Fedor, and I definitely take his potential as a, you know, make things interesting here uh pretty high, actually.
2: I mean, I, w- I wouldn't advise you to watch these highlights here against uh, Large Rampage, but the ones we saw right before that against Timothy Johnson from 2021 in Moscow, which is the fight that seriously allows Fedor to be in this rematch in terms of, you know, no one picketing outside the building aside from the history and the romance and all that, he knocked Timothy Johnson the hell out. He was quick. He was crisp. The combinations were there. So your play could certainly play out. But, Luke, a reminder on both of these gentlemen, Baydor and Fedor, I caught up with both of them on CBS Sports HQ. They're going to run today, both on HQ and, and as well uh, posted on the Morning Combat account, youtube.com slash morning combat, if you want to check it out. Luke, I did get a chance to actually talk with Fedor and and get back, you know, what you took from me all those years ago. And, you know, <laughs> did, it- did, it, did it feel as good as you hoped it would? It really did. I'm not going to lie here. It, it was a moment for me. And it, it wasn't a great interview, obviously. We're doing it through Zoom. I could barely hear the translation. He's a man of few words, but did I get him to laugh a few times? Yes. Did I feel in some form, Luke, like he felt me? Yeah, I think he did. I think we connected. Our spirits aligned right there. But uh, I'm, glad you, speaking I'm, glad,
0: of, I'm glad you felt touched by Fedor. I'm very delighted.
2: Uh, before we could transfer on to pick two, let's catch up here with Ryan Bader. We've got him. Uh, Luke, he has the opportunity to become the first fighter to defeat Fedor Emelianenko twice. Fedor's got six career losses. He's pretty much, you know, beaten everyone he possibly could short of Randy Couture, the fight that we never could make. So let's hear Bader on how excited he was at the potential of doing this a second time.
3: Yeah, at first I was kind of, I was kind of iffy on it, you know? I was like, I've been there, done that. You know, why do it again? Um, I really can't beat him in any more spectacular fashion, you know? Uh, So what's the point? And then I started thinking about it and I started warming up. And then I started getting really excited about it. Um, you know, number one, it's on CBS. And number two, it's Fedor again, you know, legend of the sport. And, you know, I'll, I'll get to be part of his story, um, as well as he's a part of my story, you know, with two fights here. I get to be one of the only guys that can go out there and, and have the potential to beat him twice also. So um definitely very excited about it. And, you know, most importantly, I, it's a huge platform. And any Fedor fight is a big fight. And throw it on CBS, it's going to be huge. Ah, uh,
2: just to remind you you can get to both of those interviews in full later today, Morning Combat and CBS Sports HQ. Uh, Luke, I like his upfront attitude. You know, I mean, look, if I was him, I get it. You beat the legend in 35 seconds. Why would you want to mess with that? But I'm glad he came around for the for the potential of this moment. And and Luke, that there was some level of breaking news, if you want to call it that, when Scott Coker appeared on Ariel show on Wednesday, and he said organically he was reached out to by so many legends. We're talking Randy, Dan Henderson, Josh Barnett. Henzo and Hoist Gracie, uh, you know, Mark Coleman, Chael Sonnen, and on and on and on, that Coker is going to put them all cage side during this and is looking at this as some, to some degree of like an end of an era moment. Is there any like connection there that that spurs Fedor to really pour out the jug of everything he has left here to try to make a moment happen?
0: I don't think it's that. I really think this is just uh, this is this is vintage Scott Coker. Um, actually, Coker has always had a sense of, in terms of like the Japanese side of things, the sense of ceremony, not just in terms of making you know a show with pyro. I don't mean just that, although it can mean that as well, or you know, big big walkouts, those kinds of things, the traditional things you might think of in that way. But more than that, like this, the ceremony of Um, tradition the ceremony of honoring history and honoring moments and honoring signposts in the fight game like he's always kind of had a soft spot for that you know candidly I don't know how much the average MMA fan today will really appreciate who was sitting cage side or who will be I should say sitting cage side does the modern MMA fan really know a lot about the career of Henzo Gracie do they know a lot about Frank Shamrock do they know a lot even about Matt Hughes who will be in attendance it's really hard to say but I think for Coker this is a moment to to uh, never let go of history, if you if you can avoid it, to like make sure that people understand the community of fighters about which Fedor belongs, how the community of fighters that he belongs to view him, what that significance says, and to then you know have a moment to think about how these greats like what it must mean that all of these greats have such adoration for this figure. I think MMA in general does a pretty bad job of honoring its history. It's gotten better at it over time, certainly, but in general could go a lot further. I think Coker's always been... Um, you know, I think there's other criticisms you could make of him as a promoter, but I think certainly on this level in honoring history and making sure that it's a forward part of the program, he's always been a little bit better at it than most. And I think this is an example of it.
2: I like that. He's doing it. You know, it was, it was John Mellencamp and probably Epstein that said, hold on to 16, as long as you can. You know what I mean? I like keeping the memories (laughs) and the magic of those pride royalty regal days alive. And we're going to do that come saturday night all right luke pick number two
0: anyway, time out i know you want to steamroll into the next one but hold on let's pause the show here for a second so we're you asked me about all of these legends being cage side and you turned that into jeffrey epstein echoing a john Mellencamp lyric about the joys of youth and summerhood right or, or summertime anyway uh that's great, BC. I'm glad you're here. Oh wow. All right. Day. All right. There you go. Great
2: sell <laughs> right there. I don't
0: I'm not used to that.
2: Uh, Luke, number two on okay I mean, you're bet. An idiot, us- but, you know, yeah. I'm i you know, what did we say in the past? I'm I'm brilliantly dumb. That's it, Luke. Great. Yeah. that's it right yeah. there. Uh, yeah. pick number two on okay bet. We pick a favorite for the weekend. And a reminder, this could be boxing, MMA, bare knuckle, power slap. No, yeah. uh, Luke, my favorite is gonna go like this. We know it's a three-fight Bellator main card, 9 p.m. Eastern on CBS. But 6 p.m. Eastern will be a very loaded preliminary card on both the Bellator YouTube channels and also on Pluto TV. And in what may end up being the featured prelim, we got a welterweight tilt, Neiman Gracie taking on Dante Shiro. Now, as we speak right now, our friends at Caesars have Neiman Gracie in this matchup as a minus 280 favorite to the plus 230 Dante Shiro. Luke, you may remember Dante. He's... uh, He's traded wins and losses over the years, but he pushed Logan Storley to the limit in a close split decision loss that really could have went either way when Logan Storley had that homecoming back in South Dakota. He's a certain level class of fighter who can give you trouble, but do I believe he's on the same level as Neiman Gracie? No. And even though Gracie's riding a streak in which he's lost three of four, including being knocked out by Goichi Yamauchi in his last bout, he needs a bounce back. I've seen him. He's in great shape. I think, Luke, if Neiman Gracie Makes a return to focusing on what got him here, which is the ground game, the, the the grappling, the submission threats. And as much as I like the willingness he has been in, in the big fights, think against Logan Storley, to throw uh, big shots and eat big shots if he has to, he's just so much better when he's leaning on his strengths. I see a return here. I'm going naming Gracie, Gracie as, a, as, a, as a favorite here, minus 280, to get back in the win column.
0: I think that's a perfectly reasonable call. It's not the one I'm making, but I wouldn't really take issue with it at all. I got
2: to play it safe, Luke, until I can pull out of this basement, all right?
0: Yeah, I get it. You got Listen, you got to play the portfolio whenever you invest. Some a little more high risk, some a little bit more low risk. This is more of a low risk one, but a a reasonable one just the same. Uh, BC, for me, I'm going to go a little bit higher risk this time. Now, I'm picking a favorite, obviously, so it's not that high risk, but it's one where the underdog could surprise here, and I recognize that. I'm saying it out loud. I know that this is... Of all the favorites I could have picked, there might be some different ones I could have gone with, uh, but I'm going to go with Johnny Eblen. I think Johnny Eblen, for me, BC, is yeah. you could very much make a case he is MMA's most unheralded champ, right? Sure. Of all the guys who have claimed a organizational or a major organizational weight class title, in terms of how good they are, and then in terms of the acclaim that has followed, who's got the biggest gap? in the sense, in the, in the, in the negative side anyway. I, I think you could make a case for Johnny Eblin. He is very well-rounded. Uh, well, I should say well-rounded enough, but um, great wrestler, great athlete, not hardly any miles on him, built for distance, King Mo trained out of American Top Team and a whole lot more, not just him. His whole corner is just a world-class corner. And I I, I know his game sometimes doesn't please everyone. I know he hasn't made a big uh, splash in the media, Fair enough. Maybe some of the parts of the fight against Musasi weren't entertaining enough. I'm not in any way saying that there's not criticisms to make or limitations to acknowledge, but in terms of how well he's done and whether that's caught on to me, it's just a, there's a yawning gap between them, and I think that's affected the perception of people. Not enough for the odds makers because he is the odds favorite in this one, all but not by a significant margin. And I grant that Tokov. I grant. I grant. Nothing would surprise me if Tokov won. He is. Great, BC. I acknowledge it. I acknowledge it. But I just feel like Johnny Eblin doesn't get his just due. He doesn't get what is owed to him in terms of how good he is and sturdy, uh, I think, uh, a divisional champ will bring him in terms of stability to that to that weight class. So for me, I'm going to go Johnny Eblin.
2: A minus 260 favorite, according to Caesars, plus 210 is Anatoly Tokov, who I almost took Luke for number three as my pick to win by upset. But I went a different direction last minute. Here we go. BC is going to play it safe. This is what I call a safe upset pick. Your main event of late Saturday night or maybe more You know, (laughs) more correctly, Sunday early morning when UFC Fight Night starts, 1 a.m. Eastern time, the main card, of course, to appeal to the South Korean market where this card was originally scheduled to air. And it's Derek Lewis in that main event against Sergey Spivak as we look at the odds right now in this heavyweight tilt, Luke Thomas. As I uh just let me get there, okay. Uh, plus 190 is Derek Lewis, the underdog, minus 230 Sergey Spivak. I don't have to belabor this because I fought for Lewis's chances on Wednesday show, based in a lot of ways by the shape he got in ahead of this, which shows you how important this fight is to him to maintain at this level. I just think if he's coming in there fit, we know he's gonna look to throw hands, but when he's got that extra level in his gas tank, it's not that he's chinny Luke. It's really that he combusts when, when, when the you know, when, like right now, Luke. I don't know if you're experiencing a chill in uh, DC, but do you know about this cold streak? I know there's cold everywhere. Texas is getting hammered out by ice, but
0: yeah, it's, it's going to be like freezing here too. Yeah.
2: Yeah, tomorrow it's going to be like minus twenty-five here in Connecticut. Uh, the Paquettes have told me that in Nova Scotia it's like minus forty there. Luke, on the lakes of. Uh, I mean, why would Mount you live Nike? in places
0: like this? I mean, just move. I you don't know. I don't, know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if you know.
2: <laughs> By the way, we have it. I want to tell you, we have an MK listener who lives in none of it, Luke. All right? All right. The old Yukon Territory. You know that? No. Uh, North Canada, like up by the pole, Luke. You know what I'm talking about, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, you just, you know, what, what are you hiding from the law? Like, who the fuck? No, no, no. They're, they're, really they're him there.
2: and his wife. His wife's a, a teacher, and they're helping out the local indigenous community, Luke. So I want to shout out to that guy. I forgot his name though, so that hurts. That, but you know whose name I won't forget, Luke Bilal Muhammad. But secondly, Derek Lewis. I like him. He's my upset pick, and I also think he does it by knockout. If you're looking to double down on that.
0: All right, fair enough. Good pick. Uh, I think it's a fair one as well. For my upset, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I, I think all of mine. Yeah, I think all of mine are going to stay with the Bellator card. Um, I'm going to go Max Roshkoff. Max Roshkoff is back. He makes his Bellator debut. This was supposed to happen a few times already. Um, He was supposed to have two bouts with Eric Sanchez, and then uh, then Mike Hamill was supposed to happen. Actually, all of those were in 2022. That was supposed to happen in October of 2022 for, for Mike Hamill, and it didn't. So here he gets Chris Gonzalez. You might remember Chris Gonzalez fresh off of his loss to... excuse me, Usman Nurmagomedov, Usman Nurmagomedov was the one who kind of handled him. Now, I don't know that I put Max Roshkoff on the level of Usman Nurmagomedov quite candidly, but not many guys are. And this is a tough fight. We even told you before Nurmagomedov fought Gonzalez that Gonzalez out of American, excuse me, out of a team alpha male, was a great wrestler. I believe he was an all-American, right? So this is a guy who can get that done. This is a tough fight for Max Roshkoff, who was famously in that corner situation, uh, where, you know, they, he was asking for it to stop and the corner, corner was trying to talk him out of it. And it was, um, it was, um, I think it was uh, uh, Drysdale, I think it was um, um, who was involved in the corner there. Anyway, Drysdale eventually did tell the corner that, or the coaches, excuse me, the officiants that he did want to quit. But anyway, you guys remember, remember the story. He has looked good for the most part since that Austin Hubbard fight. He had two fights in Cage Warriors where he looked uh, pretty decent. He is, I think, training with Extreme Couture, I like his chances here. He's not a significant underdog. I think a plus 175 as it currently stands, BC. It's a close one. I recognize it's a difficult one, but I think there's a reason to believe still in his upside. Um, we'll see if he can get it done.
2: Yeah, these are the ones I need you to not land, Luke, so I can build a comeback here, but I love like the direction
0: coach, excuse me, or you're
2: going coach, in that regard.
0: Okay, category
2: number four on OK Bet, we need to pick that a certain fight will go over or under from the standpoint of going the distance and I am going to stay here on that Bellator preliminary card. How about this welterweight matchup? It's a rematch of some sorts when Lorenz Larkin takes on unbeaten Mukhammed Berkamov. They fought in July of 2022, but it only went a round or two before illegal elbows made it a no contest. Here's the deal: uh, Mukhammed is it
0: Burkamoff, Luke, is that my pronouncing that right? I believe so. I'm not. I'm not quite the guy to go to on this, but I believe that's right.
2: Now, he's 14-0 with 11 finishes, nine of them by submission. And this is a tough matchup for Lorenz Larkin. Larkin, a plus 170 underdog, minus 200 is Berkhamov. But they're going the three-round distance here, Luke, because Lorenz Larkin is tough as nails. You know that he's got that that bell sometimes shaved into the side of his head, Riverside, California, in the house. And it's not that he hasn't been stopped before, but he's on a nice little streak at the moment in Bellator, having won six straight since the knockout loss to Paul Daly. You may remember that time, you can watch it back on Donkeymentary Number 3 in the Morning Combat Anthology when he called me out at the Mohegan Sun for not having him uh, ranked as a voter in those Bellator rankings. Although, to be fair, in that moment, Lorenz, you didn't have a middleweight fight yet. You'd been out for a long time. You weren't eligible for the rankings. You did try to, you know, send me to the deep dark depths of hell. But Luke, I will show that I have no hard feelings by telling you that Larkin is going to go the distance here and win or defeat. I'm taking the over on that matchup. Uh
0: I like that. I like that. Uh for my over over uh over under uh BC, I am going to go with one of the fights that I know has you all steamed up ready for the weekend. Uh-huh. <laughs> See, you know what what are talking we talking about. about here?
2: Brennan Ward so, in, a, in a pair of, uh, in a ski? What are we talking about here? No, no,
0: we're talking about Diana Avsaragova and Alejandra Lara. That's the one. I think it's going to go heard the, the distance. Yeah. yeah, never, never once ever heard of them. Diana As- <laughs> Avsaragova, uh, Avsaragova, excuse me. Uh, obviously, she, her last win was a decision. In fact, uh, I think uh, she's only had two of her fights, two of her five wins have ever gone to, and it kind of finished the rest of all decisions. I think the last four of Lara have gone to a decision, if not the last five. Let me double check here. The last, four, the last, uh, the last three, and then two more before that, actually. So uh, okay. Yeah, no, four. Anyway, four. the point being I'm trying to make here is they go to decisions a lot. There's a lot of decisions that happen between them, the current state that they're in. Uh, you know, and Laura is kind of like in this place where she's kind of good enough to hang on, but kind of not to like turn that corner. She's always been stuck in sort of this limboed situation. I think you're gonna get something like that. This one goes the distance.
2: Oh, I think that the fire in her to fight for her job will lead to somebody getting stopped, Luke. She's only been stopped once, Alejandra Lara. That was in her title loss to Alima Alimaleh McFarland back in the day, but we'll see if that happens again. Finally, KO or sub and which fight you got. Luke, I'm going to go off the board here. We got boxing Saturday, ESPN+. Plus. Emmanuel Navarrete will look to become a three-division champion when he moves up and welcomes a late replacement. Luke, it was supposed to be Oscar Valdez, of course, Instead, it's going to be Liam Wilson sliding in the Australian. Uh, Luke, I don't know if you saw the uh, – or maybe we'll, maybe we'll get – do we have a spot for that later? Oh, forget it. Luke, I'm going to go with a knockout, though, in this fight. Navarrete, uh, at this point, is your favorite to win this. He's he's more seasoned. Liam Wilson's a good, strong young kid coming up. Uh, the thing I wanted to mention, Luke, was they weighed in for this fight. It's a 130-pound title bout. Liam Wilson weighed in at 126 and said he had weighed himself 20 times in the previous few hours, and he was right at 129, and he accused the promotion, the venue there in Glendale, Arizona, and Navarrete of messing with the scale to allow Navarrete to make weight at 129.2. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's just his conspiracy theory right there. Either way, I see a finish in this one, so I'm going knockout on Navarrete
0: Wilson. BC, that fighter, Liam, is he, uh, that's an American fighter?
2: No, he's Australian, Luke, and oh, that's a also, you know, so that's so a globally popular Liam, name. Yeah, the yeah.
0: you know, the guy named Liam is not American. I just want to clarify that, right? That's that's how that went. Okay. Do you
2: realize how? And just so you know, on the odds here, minus twelve hundred for Navarrete to win, plus seven hundred on Liam. But look, people are killing you in my DMs over that, telling me yeah, you know I went to Catholic school in Massachusetts. There was like seventeen Liam, so Luke can shut the f up, you know.
0: Yeah, there's not. I don't. I don't believe that. I don't believe any. I don't believe any one of you went to school with seventeen Liam's. You d- you didn't, and that's not true, and that's okay. But all right, BC for my KO or sub. I mean, you know, I, I how does Ward versus Homasi end in decision? I, it could end in sub. But uh I, I well, think look it's at you look at
2: look at you looking to pad your lead here, playing it safer than uh, Switzerland at the moment, but that's cool, you know
0: uh, listen you you continue to make bad investments. I'll continue to make winning ones. <laughs> <laughs> like you want to argue you're the strength of your record, guy. Is that what you want to do right here? I swing big, uh, anyway, Luke. Yeah, it's not like your clients are making money. I just want to be very, very clear about that. but all right. Neither here nor there. I tend to think this one ends in KO. Uh, frankly, either way, I i I'm forced to guess, I'm going to guess Ward. I think he's a little bit uh, underrated. But, you know, they're going to fight balls out, so it really will just become a gunfight at that point. But, yeah, that one's going to end in KO, no doubt in my mind.
2: I like the quotes between them this week. They both essentially have predicted that they're coming in there to knock the, each other out, but they got respect for each other. Ward did tease a couple times, Luke, something that you mentioned Wednesday, that – since this is like a real training camp, a long, real one, he's not used to that. He's got a game plan. He hopes he sticks with it. But even Brennan Ward acknowledged that when this thing does eventually turn into a fight, he's gonna be there fighting, Luke. And when that, that whole idea of when it does, I don't think it's a it's it's not a brawl at all. I think they're gonna touch gloves and bang.
0: Touch gloves and
2: bang. There it is. All right, okay. Bet behind us. We'll see who uh, survives and advances in (laughs) regard to that. Hey, let's hit the biggest topics of the day here on Friday, February third, two thousand twenty-three. We'll start with topic number one. Luke, there's a there's some buzz going around about the anti-buzz, the negative buzz, or or no buzz at all. However you want to say it. As we are just a little bit more than a week away from UFC two eighty-four Perth, Australia, where you have not one but Kind of one-and-a-half title fights when you consider the interim featherweight strap is on the line, when Josh Emma takes on Yair Rodriguez. And one of the better fights you can make in this entire sport, when number one versus number two on the UFC pound-for-pound list meet, as lightweight champion Islam Mahachev welcomes Alexander Volkanovsky from the featherweight division. Luke, the news in this case is a lot of people have taken notice that UFC, Dana White in general, not really going ham on promoting this fight. We can make the larger argument that that's not the direction that they're in anymore post ESPN deal. Uh, But I think even I saw Mike Bone tweet out that of like the last 20 tweets on the UFC account at the time that he mentioned this yesterday, nine were for power slap, one had to do with UFC 284. So the comments that spurred this news release is that Islam Mahachev caught up with our sport in Russia. And this these quotes were aggregated by MMA Junkie. He says, I see that it is not such a big promotion. Dana White himself has some problems. He does not pay much attention to this fight. In terms of pay-per-view, yes, more could have been done. I only saw Volkanovski once in Sydney. A tour could be organized around the world. A conference could be held in America, end quote. Luke Thomas, how do you weigh in on this? Has UFC 284 been promoted to the level Of a normal loaded pay-per-view which at least at the top end this thing is
0: it's 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 not even a question has it been promoted like a normal pay-per-view yeah like a normal pay-per-view i suppose that it has uh in the normal sense of things but like the question is is that adequate there is a really big broader like conversation that has to happen around the ufc's model of promotion and it's changed over time but at the current state of things, it really is centered on like, where does the UFC's promotional muscle really begin to get noticed? It's fight week, right? Sunday, they put out a series of assets on your YouTube channel. These do quite well. There'll be some shoulder programming that accompanies that eventually on ESPN Plus or some of the other, you know, uh, on-demand services where you can get access to it. Uh, fight week begins, people do their turn their interviews in, there's the scheduled events, pressers, it used to be workouts, you know, all weigh-ins, all that stuff. Everyone knows the story and then there's fight week they're very good once that once that sunday starts really fight week starts on the sunday not the monday once that gets going they're very good in that space the question is for a really special event do they have the promotional and mechanical ability to then scale out for something much bigger than that when the time arises and it appears that the answer to that question is at least in the way in which they've showed us no Right. No, they don't. They don't really have the ability to pivot to something broader when the, the need arises. Now, you can argue Volkanovsky versus Makachev will not do that well on pay-per-view. And I would be open to that. Neither is a proven pay-per-view draw with, with enough uh, uh numbers to their name over the course of you know many events to show this. Uh, and I understand that argument. It's a fair argument. But here's the problem with it. Right it's number one versus number two by their own rankings in the world pound for pound. That is a special and frankly historic fight. And if you're going to put on fights like that, if not just a champion-champion fight, but number one versus number two on the pound-for-pound lists. Under those circumstances, when you have a legitimate battle for for pound-for-pound, I mean, if Volkanovski wins, there's just no question on earth. I mean, he already is number one, but I'm talking he's number one with a bullet if he beats (coughs) Makachev. When you have a question like that on the line, BC, when something like that is up for grabs, it is owed something more than what the traditional fight week model that the UFC has mastered, in my judgment, is capable of providing. And here's the last part of this, BC, very quickly, which is maybe they do have the capacity to do this more, but to Mike Bond's part, I have seen a ton of promotion for Power Slap. UFC staff that normally I haven't heard from in years were emailing me press releases for slap league stuff that I in no way requested or otherwise have a relationship with this person professionally that they would send it to me uh, ordinarily. Like they went out of their way to send it to me. I didn't get anything like that regarding UFC 284. I think it tells you about a question about the UFC's priorities regarding slap and how much of the in-house labor force it actually occupies and takes away from potentially bigger MMA competitions.
2: Yeah, uh you know... I think the answer is yes and no. I think you nailed the part that, you know, if business goes back to you to usual after Saturday night's late night card from, you know, with a lot of the Korean fighters on it, with Derek Lewis main eventing, if we kick off Sunday and it's like episode one of embedded, here's countdown and here's everything we need. It'll make this a moot point quickly, but no, there has not been an aggressive push by any means. Now, the, the water's muddy right now because it's power slap season and because this has become a recurring topic and because it's just, you know, I think it's just a bad look to use the UFC hype machine as aggressively as they have to push this thing that is just an entirely different sport. And oh, by the way, just a bad look on top of that. So I, I think it's yes and no, but I totally understand from Islam Machev's point. I mean, this fight is massive, but no, we aren't seeing that Aggressive next level, spend the money to do the media tours. I mean, outside of I, I saw some preview clip that Daniel Cormier put out that he had both uh Mahachev and Volkanovsky on his DC and RC show on like a Zoom at the same time, and that was like the first time I've seen in like a you know a couple of weeks this fight being like pushed out to the masses. So um it, it's it's disappointing to a sense, but Luke, would you say it's 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 on par with the you know separate from power slap. It's on par to the larger direction UFC is going with the standpoint of how much they're getting paid by ESPN per -per pay-per-view card where, you know, we've said it before and it's true. They're not in the business of making pay-per-view stars anymore, but is it even more easier explained by just saying that this fight card might not really be aimed at the U.S. crowd? Like, obviously, if you're a U.S. UFC fan, you know about this card, you know about these fights, you love them, and you're probably going to buy them. But I don't know what the aggression on the publication and marketing for the in promotion of this fight card has been in Australia, in Russia. I don't know. Now, you know, could you make the argument that this is more for for you know they want to sell out the house in Perth, they want to get as many pay per view buys internationally on this. They almost feel like in the U.S. their their work is done, right or wrong. Is is that then, why, that then why
0: is it on then why is it on pay per view? If their work is done, and like pay per view, ninety percent—well, it it can be a little bit less, but like that's the vast majority of the buying public of pay per view is North American. It's U.S. and Canada. Um, like like uh, it used to be at ninety percent. I think it's closer to seventy or eighty percent, but still the overwhelming majority. Like, yes, I get that this is going to have huge significance for Australia. Fair enough. Huge significance for Russia, depending on the outcome. I get it, no, no argument. But if the primary customer is North American and beyond the fact that it's just a, a sort of transactional thing, like trying to get money from us again, inside that week-long model that they've built, that generally is good enough for them to get what they want. Like the UFC is doing really well financially; that that works. But I think what fans are saying, and it's not just Makachev, like the fans are having a, a conversation about this as well, is like, okay, but this like. This contest is historic. This is the number one guy versus the number two guy, you know, in the sport. Like, if that was happening in boxing, dude, you'd be hearing about it. You'd like, yeah. The promoter wouldn't stop telling you about it. Uh, I just feel like there's something a little bit missing, an extra level of polish, maybe not a huge amount, but a little extra polish that could have gone into it that would have make it feel as special as, I think, the people in the know know it to be.
2: You know what's crazy is if you asked me, hey, BC, in boxing, when was the last time that there was, like, an argument to be made that a matchup was one versus two on the paper. I'm uh, sorry, on the pound for pound list. Now, obviously the, 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 the raise your hand go to is made Pacquiao and that fight had enough promotion. You know, you, you didn't have to promote it, right? Five years it promoted itself, but I, I'm, I'm hearing an echo here, Luke. Are you hearing that?
0: You might be. If I can, I can just put my headphone in. It's no big deal. Go All ahead. right.
2: Well, Well, there was uh, you know 2017, 2018, around there, if you remember, when Andre Ward and Sergey Kovalev fought twice, both on HBO pay-per-view and, and back-to-back pay-per-views for the light heavyweight title. And there was argument at that time that it actually was pound-for-pound, pound, number one versus number two. And at worst, really, you had two of the top three or four. And what's, what's interesting is because, because neither fighter is a dynamic commercial sell those fights did not do well on pay-per-view. And I don't know if you remember, I think, ahead of the rematch that Kathy Duva, the promoter from main events who represented Kovalev, like, went scorched earth during the press conference, you know, kind of throwing shots at everyone, media, everybody, for for this fight being presented almost so deeply under the radar. So it's interesting here that in that case, you had the promoter accusing everybody else of the fight not being promoted, and now in this case, you have the fighters Accusing the promoter of not doing the job, so it's just it's it's weird. It's 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 just weird the whole situation. The fight card's still gonna bang. And I got two quick things to bring up well, to well, related this huh, fight. Card. But here,
0: here's one thing that like folk, two, two things that like folks don't imagine. Like, what would a fight look like if one had the number one MMA fighter in the world versus the number two MMA fighter in the world? How would they promote that? I don't know, but I'd be curious to see. How would Bellator promote it if they had the literal number one pound-for-pound fighter in the sport versus the number two? What would that look like? I don't know, but I'd be curious to see. And you can go that with KSW or whoever. In the hands of someone else who actually had access to pound-for-pound number one versus pound-for-pound number two, what would a promoted fight look like? I, I, I don't know the answer to that, but I want folks to imagine we don't even get to contemplate these things by virtue of the UFC having the totality of, you know, the vast majority anyway, of the overall world's elite talent, but like, saying, well, they got this model and it works for them and blah, 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 but it's like, dude, we're not even imagining a world where what that would look like in someone else's hands and how much more grander it could potentially look. Like, the UFC is very successful, but they're fat and happy, too. Right? They've they've just got such a lock on the market. Their competitors are so far behind them. I don't think they feel the need, as much as they once did, to kind of really show out and be the next-level guys. I mean, they are in many ways, just by virtue of everything they've built, but you know what I'm talking about? That extra rub they used to put in there, That some of that maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but some of that feels like it's missing a little bit because of their high perch. They just don't feel the the push.
2: What's what word is the opposite of incentivized? Decentivized. Would you say right now Dana White is decentivized Decentivized from trying to create pay per view stars? Like he he loves that, you know, if he gets a chance to take like a McGregor and put him with a Jorge or a Nate for a third time, they're going to do it, right? They're going to do it. But like, would you say they are decentivized? because then they have to pay them more to actually create pay-per-view stars at the moment under the current financial landscape.
0: Hard to say. I I would have to, you know, it's, are they drawing enough on pay-per-view where they feel like they're making themselves happy, they're set up for success in the future, and it overall fits the budget and how they understand it with contracted revenue and then pay-per-view revenue and then all the other various forms? It's a much bigger question. It's hard to argue like whether or not it fits into that. Um, I tend to think that they don't need pay-per-view stars in the same way they once did, and we've talked about it before. They don't even want them in some ways because uh, the volatility it would create between pay-per-view events. Um, but they still want stars like stars sell more than otherwise. And yes, they cost weird, a little bit though. more, but you know, they're still valuable to have. And yeah, they want them.
2: The parallel is weird. It does remind me. Did you ever read, you know, Jim Miller who writes those huge, like oral histories. You ever read the ESPN book, that that massive one that came out about mm-hmm. seven, eight years ago, the, one of the main sections of that book looks at the sports center in the nineties when, when Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann, for example, oh, became- those
0: guys have all the fun.
2: Yeah, they became bigger than the brand and you know had commercials and had all this stuff and demanded more money and demanded all this that it was almost like the company responded to that era by saying we're never going to, you know, create sports center anchors that are stars that are bigger than the brand and they kind of changed the system and tried to have as many sort of interchangeable almost faceless people to some degree, you can make that argument right now with the UFC, but it could just be the, the perfect storm of all the other factors coming together. But Luke, quickly related to this card, we're going to have a pregame preview with Chuck Mendenhall that goes out next week, and obviously we're going to be talking about it. But Habib officially will not be there in the corner of Islam Mahachev, according to the reports. Separate from whatever Habib is leaning on in terms of taking this absence to you know have more time with his family – is this like a good thing for Islam Makhachev? Biggest fight of his life, you can argue here? That that the, you know, he's not that Habib's not going to go by his side? I just feel like this is weird, right?
0: I doubt that it's a good thing for Islam. I doubt that he prefers that Habib's not there. But guys, let's just be really, please be adult. Let's just be adults about this. I'm not saying you're not BC. I'm just saying, like, let's, let us let's make sure the conversation happens on adult terms if volkanovsky were to win it would have fuck all to do with habib not being there like the mountain that dude has to climb in order to win habib not being there probably makes it a little bit easier i i, I maybe maybe that's a thing but is that the full summit does that get you to the summit uh, in terms of all of the distance he has to cover all the things that have to go right for him to win please be fucking serious no chance. No chance. So if Volkanovsky wins, if he beats Makachev, it is such an extraordinary achievement that, yeah, you could maybe be like, well, it could have helped his chances a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. But once he does that, if he does that, I don't give a shit that Habib was or wasn't there. It wouldn't have made a difference. He was going to win either way.
2: Would you respect to be more if it came down to him just not wanting to endure that flight, Luke, from Dagestan yes. to uh, Perth? <laughs> yes. I mean, would you go east or west on that? Would you go left or right? Which direction shorter?
0: Uh, he would go east, I think. He would go okay.
2: east. Uh, the other quick point I wanted to make was that uh, I just saw a quote from that same interview where Mahachev said, uh, Look, uh, I don't want to be known just for my wrestling. My goal is to go in there and knock Volkanovsky out and beat him with my striking. What's your response to that?
1: This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world.
0: I don't really buy that. I think he's going to try and uh, wrestle him. I don't, I don't. Okay. Yeah. And then quickly,
2: loosely related, Wednesday night was the third episode of the road to Power Slap pay-per-view or whatever it's called, and that got the worst ratings of the three, Luke, about a third of the total of what AEW had as the lead-in. So we'll see that ride hey, continue one, one
0: there. last one, one last note on that, if I may. We, we talked about how, like, with different things Dana White had tried like the ultimate surfing competition and then the the boxing reality show and none of them worked, but they were really, you know, his ideas and, you know, it's what, it, it was what it was. But we talked about how Power Slap is much more intertwined with the UFC brand. And I thought that that was just a branding thing and then using some of the same resources in terms of like actual brick and mortar, like the Apex. But it turns out that like they're using internal resources as well, right? Where if I'm getting emails from PR staff that I haven't heard from in a long time, um you know from power slap when i haven't i never hear from them otherwise like there is a question now about not how much the two are just intertwined but how much power slap drains actual ufc's ability to do all the other things that they want to do beyond what they can you know on on an assembly line just do automatically churn out can they do anything above that i don't know i don't know what the answer to that is but it's worth thinking about
2: yeah um i think they're draining me of my uh of my uh, dignity, every time I see more of that. Oh, Anthony Smith loves it though, Luke. You know, and I vouch for Anthony Smith. Factory Town Tough. That's that he has become my I like, guy. I like but...
0: Anthony. I'm not. I'm never going to talk bad about Anthony. I like him, but you know, I, I think he's trying to set up a professional future, which I understand. I don't actually believe that he like this shit is righteous. Like, like he's too. He's too I don't think talented he said righteous, martial Luke. I don't in think he said righteous.
2: All right, topic number two, Luke. Let's look quickly look at the boxing we have this week. And we do have two cards. And I did have a dead wrong in the moment at the end of our okay bet. One card will actually take place this evening tonight. ESPN and ESPN Plus from Glendale, Arizona, when Emmanuel Navarrete, like I mentioned, uh looks to move up in weight and try to win a title in a third weight class at 130. When he he takes on Liam Wilson in the main event from Australia, Wilson has one defeat. It was by knockout, but he did avenge it with a knockout of his own and uh, not a bad co-main event. Luke, when Jorge Pedraza, the sniper, the veteran takes on rising unbeaten Arnold Barbosa, Jr. You're also going to get Richard Torres, Jr., the uh, Olympic medalist at heavyweight from the U S the Southpaw. He'll be back. Uh, Nico Ali Walsh, the grandson of the greatest, also on that undercard. But, Luke, the the bigger card in terms of the attention that I see promotionally is going to be on zone. It's going to be in New York City, I believe, at the theater at Madison Square Garden on Saturday. Amanda Serrano back again. And, Luke, she's making everything. I mean, she at this point in her career, right, at the end of her prime here, I think she's about 34 years old, Of course, we're all hoping that this is building to a rematch with Katie Taylor and Eddie Hearn and everybody just recently said we want that too. But Amanda Serrano is just trying to fight as many champions and unify as she can here. She's going to welcome Erica Cruz. This will be a unification of titles at 126 pounds. Uh, I actually called Erica Cruz's biggest win when she won the title on Ring City USA and NBC Sports when she Mm. upset Jelena Mergenovich, the longtime champion. She beat her again in the rematch. So this is an interesting matchup. And how about this? Alicia Baumgartner in the Coleman Event we just saw her. She's
0: back already.
2: We just saw her get the win against Michaela Mayer in their grudge match. Now she is going to try to unify titles herself. I believe this is at one thirty when she takes on champion Elhem Nekeled. Uh Luke, do you feel like? Uh, oh, also sorry, Sky Nicholson also on the card. She's a she's a rising uh, UK boxing talent that's getting a lot of. She was on aerial show. She's getting a lot of love as well. Luke, are do you feel like? Although Serrano versus Katie Taylor is the obvious big fight some people really wanted that croak Park in Ireland whatever I just want to see it and if we and if we can be there Luke I do regret not being there the first time in Madison Square Garden I do because people tell me that that's the that's the greatest atmosphere they've ever seen for a pro fight I've had a lot of people tell me that that's yeah but wild.
0: I, I don't like crowds so yeah
2: you don't you don't like people uh is there any chance that that this card sets the stage do you think at a future fight between Serrano and Baumgartner because obviously like Baumgartner versus Michaela Mayer two is something we can do whenever it's a grudge match the first fight was very close but serrano fights in almost every single weight class luke i i you know that might be something to watch
0: for in the future i hadn't thought of it until you mentioned it but yes you could absolutely do that uh serrano and also like Serrano's style is swiss army knife right i mean she can do a lot it wasn't enough against katie taylor but like obviously she pushed katie taylor in a way that nobody else had and to your point i think eddie even eddie Hearn this week was talking about it he's like dude we We'd be dumbasses to not do that. It seems like there's a lot of interest in making that fight happen. But to your point, if it doesn't, yeah, you could. And I gotta tell you, like Baumgartner promotes spicy. Like yes. she is, you know. She, yeah, even yesterday, she called Mayor like delusional and salty, and like, you know, she gets after it. Uh, she does a lot of media. She's good at it. So that could be a fun one too. I, I'm, that's an interesting idea from you. Yeah, that that could definitely work. Interesting. Uh, Just if you're curious about the odds, Amanda Serrano, a minus
2: 800 favorite, according to Caesars, plus 550 is Erica Cruz. And in your co-main event, Baumgartner, a minus 1,000 favorite against the plus 650 Mechaled. if I'm pronouncing that correct. Probably not, though, Luke. But uh, check that out. Look, I got to say, though, tip of the cap here. Um, In this case, it's Eddie Hearn in the zone. But, dude, I love the attention women's boxing is getting. I love that these fights are living up to expectations on the highest level across the board, whether it was Clarissa Shields in England there in that big fight, Baumgartner Mayer on the undercard, Serrano and Taylor. Um, uh, this is great to see. I hope we continue it. I mean, I mean, we're, we're proving here once again that women in the main and co-main can be the draw and can sell, Luke, and this is great to see. So I'm, I'm very happy about
0: it. And we have a, I mean, I, I, we'll see how the fight goes, and not every men's fight is great. Not every woman's fight is going to be great. They don't have to be. We'll see how it goes, but serrano versus Cruz could be good like there's a way that that goes that one of all the plausible outcomes one of them is that that fight is for as long as it lasts which could go the distance an action fight so let's see absolutely
2: topic number three hey luke how about this the pfl announced their first card for the 2023 season that will go down turns out none of them are real (laughs) That will go down April 1st. It's going to be at the Virgin Hotels in Las Vegas at the theater. And in totality, they announced the first three cards, April 1st, April 7th, and April 14th, along with the main and co-main of each card. Now, there is a problem. I'll get to that in a second. But here's the release that the PFL sent out. April 1st will be, in the main event, Brendan Lachnane, last year's what featherweight champion. We'll take on mm-hmm. Marlon Moraes, the UFC veteran. And in the co-main event at light heavyweight, Robert Wilkinson will take on Maheta. Tiago Santos, you can't hate on that one. We'll fast forward to April 7th when Antti D'Elia and Jorgen De Castro will meet in the main event at heavyweight. Larissa Pacheco, who, of course, uh, in in her third meeting with Kayla Harrison Got the win last time. She'll welcome Julia Budden, an interesting co-main event at Women's Featherweight. And then April 14th is OAM Alban mercier against Shane Burgos in his PFL debut. And welterweight champion, the defending one, Sadabu C si against Jara Al-Salawi. But Luke, it wasn't all fun and games and claps and, you know, high fives and hand pounds over this announcement. Can you explain this further, what actually went on here?
0: So I, just, on a bear, just on one bare minimum of first-round management, which is run by Malky and his brother, uh, Ibrahim uh, Abe Kawa, they rep Shane Burgos, and I believe they rep Brendan Lockton as well, right? So two of the fighters named on two different, I believe two different cards that were part of this. Certainly two different fights. They're not fighting each other. Um, and he was like, we didn't agree to jack shit. Yeah, no, uh uh-uh. We did not in any way sign an agreement and I know like, you know, the Cobble brothers, they, they, they pick me, they pick fights and you know, they've, they've they've said things that I've disagreed with a million times before, but if he's telling you he didn't sign, I'm, I'm, he's telling the truth. Like they didn't sign. And, uh, it's crazy for PFL to do this. Now we know UFC does it all the time, all the time. PFL. Listen to me very clearly. Yeah. Anyone from that organization, listen to what I'm about to tell you. If you guys want to be a fighter first organization, in the way that which you claim and 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 part of the way in which uh, uh you know the way you're paying fighters through pay-per-view and the 50 cut is a supposed to be some kind of representative of that you can't announce fights before they're ready right that's super super shitty so, so are don't you saying do that
2: can i read between your lines is this what you're saying to pfl don davis Ray Seffel? you know great people over there are you saying hey guys you have an opportunity right now to d- disrupt the market. UFC is almost making it easy at the moment, at least headline and goodwill-wise, to disrupt the market. So please stop doing anything that that is considered a UFC move at this moment to piss off not fans. Even, not even people. just that.
0: UFC makes a lot of good moves. I'm not even trying to bag on them in that way. I'm just saying, if the shit is not agreed to, what are you doing? What are you doing? And also like fighters, some fighters in an organization, you know, washed out of UFC or other places. Some chose like Shane Burgos. Let's be very clear about that. Shane Burgos did not wash out of UFC. He chose to go to the PFL and you're announcing fights. He hasn't agreed to, please don't do that. Please don't do that. That's shitty. Don't do that. That's not like, why would you do that? So that's what I'm talking about. This guy chose you at a point in his career where he's got good fights left to give. Don't do that to him. Like this is very easy quick question on how
2: pfl uses how pfl uses 2023 to further their position in in this business now if they end up signing francis and like wow that would be massive that'd be you know nate diaz or anything like that but the signing of jake paul and the announcement of a pay-per-view division could go really good could go really bad but you did hear don davis in multiple interviews saying like even though jake paul's not going to fight in mma until 2024 us signing him was more about Essentially, he could be a walking commercial for all of our other fights. What level do you believe PFL will use Jake Paul in 2023 from a promotional standpoint, from a live fight telecast standpoint? Because, you know, I've heard Ariel say that they should almost make him their own Dana White from this, you know, in terms of like speaking at press conferences and and being almost the face in that regard. Is he going to be on commentary what do you what do you see jake's role this calendar year in this regard
0: i think i think Ariel's probably more right about this than not uh you know dana white level i don't know again i didn't hear ariel's comments i'm only reacting on what you said but if that's what he said that's i think that's pretty accurate i mean if you like you know, who's the head of strike force, or excuse me, uh, Bellator. There you go. Who's the head of Bellator? Scott Coker. Who's the head of UFC Dana White. And again, that's like, some of that's just like nominally true. Like there's other players involved that are as important in some ways, perhaps more important, right. Than just the sort of the titular head of the organization. But, um, in the case of PFL, there's Don Davis. And then there's another gentleman, Pete, something, I forget his name, Dropic or I forget his name, but, uh, he, uh, these are like important guys and they're very, very smart. Please don't misunderstand me. They're very relevant to the job, but they don't have quite a media outreach charisma type role within the media. They're more just guys who say things in press releases in terms of how the media treats them. You know, getting a Jake Paul to have a more hands-on touch with various PFL cards would be a good idea, but also he has to have something to sell, right? Just asking Jake to go around and sell like a run-of-the-mill PFL card, that's a waste of his time. Give him something he can actually sink his teeth into. And that's something that they can't produce more, not, not hardly any organization can produce more regularly. Do you,
2: because look, straight up, PFL signing Jake Paul, being that he's that much of an outspoken Dana White and UFC critic, being that his announcement was sort of sold on the idea of like 50 50 split of revenue on pay per views, and I'm going to do everything the UFC's not. Do you think the Uf- the PFL broadcast, even though it's on ESPN, the same network as UFC, will feature anti-UFC propaganda in the same way of the WWE, WCW 90s
0: Monday Night Wars? Ooh. That See, I would have said, well, I'm not sure what those look like exactly, but BC, I would have said no earlier. Maybe six months ago, I would have said no. I don't think that they want that smoke. Not so sure now. Not so sure. Now it would be a I different go. conversation
2: if you get Engano, right? It would be a different conversation if you can get him.
0: Yeah, if you if you can secure the best heavyweight on earth on your roster um, by this, like sort of, you know, it's more PR push than anything, but the rev share part of it certainly is interesting. Yeah, then that then they might go full on aggressive with it. But uh, I think that to me, the question you raised is it's really unknowable at this juncture. But to me, it's the most interesting question about their posture moving forward. How adversarial do they get with their ESPN sort of bunk mates? Uh, and I guess they're in the top bunk, you know, uh, UFC is in the bottom. But um, that—that that is, to me, the most interesting one, because it will tell you a lot about where they see their future versus not.
2: Are you saying that the bottom bunk
0: is the more desired spot? See, it changes among siblings. I all here's the way I look at it it's that the older sibling tends to get first pick, and well, then the older sibling my,
2: goes up top because he doesn't, he's not afraid to fall off.
0: But they have the little barrier there, no matter what, that they can't fall off from. True, true. Like you don't just, you don't just risk it. Or did you just risk it with your twins? You didn't give them a barrier. <laughs> no, like, I, I don't live. I hope there, when that. I wake up, one of you motherfuckers isn't dead. That'd be, that'd be um, terrible. You know, did you have a bunk
2: bed set up in your dorm in college at William and Mary?
0: Yeah, you had to. the rooms were too small. There was no they could you couldn't have two flat beds on the floor. Did the you floor. have
2: the top did you have the top bunk? I had the bottom. Did your roommate do gross things in the top bunk that college students do all the time? They're in rooms despite their roommate being right there.
0: My roommate was he's now a doctor, so if that tells you anything. So his his days of Proctologist, uh, study. Yeah no he's a radiologist yeah. actually he's a radiologist okay. my, my buddy matt shouts to matt he uh he got he's a doctor now so he spent his entire senior year doing uh pre-med stuff so he was never he was in the no fucking section is what i'm trying to tell you okay. it, he wasn't doing you. a lot of banging so <laughs> just, when he did i would just have to leave the room i mean you know it, it is what it is but that's on
2: me. the door handle yeah uh your brother matt is also a doctor i did want to put that a up doctor
0: of him. math but not yes. a doctor of this kind of thing
2: yeah, not a doctor of replying to my DMs. Indeed. Uh, to close on PFL, are you as excited as me for Tiago Santos here? And, you know, also, no, not at all. Also, uh, uh, Shane Burgos. Shane I mean, Burgos. Yeah. Marich, I'm nervous about. But dude, nervous, none I'm of nervous. this
0: shit is real to me. They announced a bunch of Fugazi matchups until they're independently confirmed, number one. And then, number two, why the fuck is Brendan Lachnan fi- fighting? Fucking Marlon Moraes who's on a five-fight getting stopped losing streak, like because they wh- bought the Marais- That was a good idea
2: because they bought Moraes for his name and the fact that he's a uh, you know was a UFC title contender. And I don't they give a figure- shit. The
0: commission s- shouldn't sanction it. They shouldn't sanction. No, it. I'm not that's, saying that's, that's great. an inappropriate fight. Yeah, yeah.
2: Didn't he lose his PFL debut already on
0: that on the, the shaman f- Moraes? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got all oh, the battle. I mean, hold of no, hold on. He was doing well. But he ultimately got stopped. He got fucking stopped. Yeah, yeah, that's true.
2: Hey, Luke, topic number four is a little in-house selling here, but I had a little part in this, and I'm happy to do this here. Uh, Tonight on Showtime, How about this? You know you can get 30 days of free Showtime right now. We already talked about that. But Showtime's got some of the best documentary game going out there. Stand will debut tonight, which, of course, is the story of former NBA star Mahmoud Abdul-Raiouf turned social justice activist. And, Luke, when it comes to telling Mahmoud's story, a media pariah in the 1990s who was more or less, and he confirmed it in the interview I did with him, blackballed and, and, and you know, almost banned from the NBA. To recap, if you haven't, you know, if you didn't live his journey like we did back in the 90s, he was playing at a near all-star level with the Denver Nuggets. Of course, he was a huge star in college at LSU under the name of Chris Jackson. But beginning uh, in his third NBA season, when he converted to Islam, changed his name, began to be very outspoken about that, and then, of course, eventually stopped standing for the national anthem he became a very public pariah, suspended by the team. Eventually, they worked out a deal where he would be fined for not standing. And then he started to be, well, why don't you stand and pray? It got messy there, Luke. A couple years later, he's out of the league for good. A couple years after that, the KKK burned down his house. So the, the documentary is powerful. I got a chance to watch it in advance because of where we're at today. Think Colin Kaepernick. Think all of that, Luke. Think of the, the, the fact that it, it's becoming, rightfully so, more – allowed for pro athletes to speak out on big issues and to be given a platform to 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 speak where even just 20 years ago, that was not the case. Well, YouTube.com slash Morning com- uh, Combat, of course, for our bonus content. I had a great sit down with Mahmoud. You know me, I'm a 90s NBA junkie, but we talked about a lot of good stuff from mental health, religion, all the way across the board. We're going to throw to one sound where I, bench- I essentially asked Mahmoud this. You, you told me you believed you were blackballed from the league. So what was it? Was it not standing for the National Anthem? Was it the comment he made about 9-11 that essentially got a a proposed comeback with the New York Knicks in 2001, you know, demolished? Was it being Muslim? What was it? Was it one thing or was it everything that led to his ultimate demise from the NBA? Let's hear what he had to say.
1: I I think – I thought it was a combination of things. But I think the the nail in the coffin was – and it wasn't even – I'm disrupting business when it's all said and done. And when when you deal with an African-American athlete, athletes, entertainers, musicians, whether we like it or not, listen, youth oftentimes statistically, are probably gonna listen to us more than they listen to their parents and the school teacher Yeah because of the influence. And so even back in the day during J-, J. Edgar Hoover's period, it's now declassified information. He had came out and said something down the lines of. We want to, I'm just paraphrasing, we want to promote the brain-dead athlete, not like the Muhammad Ali's, right? This is what we want to push to the public because of the influence that they had. And so when you when you topple that on, on top of that with you have someone that is practicing their religion. Like even with A.C. Green, A.C. Green was a Christian. A.C. Yeah. Green was like he wore Christianity on his sleeves. That's kind of shun, shunned even. Right. Because there's a country club environment, right, of other things that they don't want. Yeah. N-
2: nobody wants to hear about your celibacy was what we used to say. Right.
1: You know, it's like. But even if it's not hearing about it, it's just the fact that you're there and we know that you're trying to be on the straight and narrow and you make us feel uncomfortable because right, we're doing right. what we know we shouldn't be doing in, in a sense. And so with all of that and you say something about this country. Right. And And so many people, there's this intoxicated. I think here is intoxicated, intoxicated nationalism and patriotism. Sure. I think everybody, even in Islam says he created us in nations and tribes, not so that you will despise one another, so that you will know one another. The best of you is he that is most righteous. So even we like, oh, but but there's a, it's intoxicated. It's like, oh, we can't do no wrong. And so I think when it's all said and done, it wasn't so much me. It was like kind of like what Noam Chomsky said, the threat of a good example. Or, bad example, depending on what you say. You know what? We have to make an example of him to send a message to others that if you do this, this is what's going to happen to you.
2: Luke, I like that he's, and this is not about whether you believe and have the same opinions politically or even socially on everything he stood for. But I love now that that we look back and say, you know, he should have at least had the chance to 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 stand up and, and say his piece, you know, without losing his job, more or less. Um, I love that he's getting his flowers now. And I know people hate that we overuse that statement. But I think in this case, it actually makes sense that, you know, again, believe or, or, or agree with what he says or not. But he did have the guts to put everything on the line for what he did believe in back in the day and getting a chance to talk with him. I mean, he has like a Yoda like vibe of wisdom to him. It, it was, it was something that I, you know, it meant a lot to me. And I, and I want to forget
0: the phrase is overused and it's kind of stupid and boring now, but uh, he was canceled. That's yeah. what he, that's, he was. Canceled. He was canceled. He was canceled. He was canceled for his views, his political views. And he doesn't have right-wing political views. He got canceled um, for the opposite. And um, you know, just want to be very clear about this. when we, when we talk about, who gets silenced, who gets to have a voice, and who does it and when. It's a complicated one. It's, a, it's one where it's incessant debate. Um, but in that moment in time, he didn't get to have one, and he didn't get to have one because of his views and his religious identity. That's just the reality. The, the larger NBA and sporting world and common society canceled him for it. So um, be very clear, foes of cancel culture, who exactly that means you're supporting and why that's important to be standing on principle.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even, you know, you, everybody could check out the documentary Stand Tonight that premieres in Showtime. Uh, even back then, I mean, th- there was file footage of, you know, in the Muslim community, some people were divided and were against him for not standing for the national anthem. And for, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon came out, a lot of people did. But, you know, looking at what he went through, his his battle with Tourette's syndrome, mental health, all of that. Um, I have a lot of respect for for who he is. And and and, and you know, it couldn't have been easy. It couldn't have been easy, Luke. And and he risked no. it all. And, and in some cases, you know, he lost it all from the standpoint of the dream and the business and the money and all that. But I think in the long run, you know, he's at peace with, with his life now. And 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 this is a very moving documentary that I recommend to everybody. I don't want
0: ahead. to compare him. I don't want to compare every situation to another one and overstate things. But in one little sliver of our conversation around Francis, this situation is instructive because, dude, he was canceled. He lost out on uh, many more millions of dollars he probably could have made, right? And, uh, you know, uh, everything else that was taken uh, taken away early, well, we can say that, certainly. Uh, but to your point, he has he's at peace with it, right? Because in the end, he made the decisions that were most important to his values and his values are the things that drove yeah. his life. And you can disagree with those choices or whatever, but that's the way he lived. Francis, it appears, we shall see, and again, you know, I'm not – He's not having his house burned down or anything like that. They're not the equivalent. But in the idea, like we talked about, you see, he could fall flat on his face monetarily, but if what he actually says is true, that he's living these decisions because the principle of doing sure. it is the most important part, well, then virtue is its own reward. That is the yeah. reward. You're virtuous. It doesn't have to come with monetary gain, and it often comes with the opposite. Anybody who
2: is looking at, a, and, and I guess the, Fran, the Francis situation can be a little gray because leaving the ufc doesn't mean
0: he doesn't mean he can't make money i didn't even want to make the francis one i'm just making it because it's it's recent
2: i mean he could make big money and even Mahmoud, even though when he was blackballed and banned from the nba you know he still went to europe he still made it an nba comeback a short-lived one a couple years later i mean there was there was that but the whole idea is when you can walk away from money and say essentially like that's not my god what i'm standing on what i believe in is more important dude i've got respect for that that's why this, to me, this is not a political movie. His story is not a political one. To me, it's, well, it's a. a little. I mean, it can it can be Luke, but I think in general, even though him and I don't have the same necessarily religious beliefs, his message that he's sharing now through this movie to me is very universal, and I and I was moved by it. I, and, think,
0: and, I think that people can see the unfairness of how it all went for him. And sure. can I think most reasonable people would agree, even those who might be very much on the other side politically, I think the reasonable versions among them can see that this is not the way it should have gone for him. Right. Like he should not have had to suffer the indignities and the pushback and the threats and the violence and everything else that went with it. That part was unfair. OK, uh, but I do think I mean, he's quoting Chomsky. To you, right? I mean, there are clear left-wing political dimensions to what he is saying. Absolutely. And you absolutely. can agree or not. I mean, that's a separate debate. But to say it's not political, I don't think is quite fair either. There are clear political dimensions to it. We should be there were honored,
2: details honored of that. a situation that are political, but I think the overall message and what we can learn in hindsight of how things went down for him, I think, is a is a more universal message because that's you know fair. he was never yes, that's fair. about violence in his message. He was never about, you know, it was it was more about peace. And when he called out the American flag and was so heavily villainized, which I, I understand, especially then why people reacted that way. He was never here to tell you the, U, you know what I mean? The, the U S is evil, you know, and everyone's like, well then go move. It was more about, I don't want to stand for the, this flag because of my, you know, beliefs and, and at, and at times what that flag stands for. And um, it, it's, it's, it's a very interesting topic. If you want more catch out catch the documentary tonight, but look from a basketball standpoint, very good pro, almost an all-star almost great. It ended too early, but do you remember him in college? Like the, you know, that is like, Briefly. that goes back when he was a freshman averaging 30 points a game at LSU the year before Shaq came in, dude, it was like must see appointment viewing TV when he would have like the big, you know, national CBS game of the week, uh, to see a six foot one guard who told me, look, really five 11, just, I mean, he would score in bunches and Luke. That's back when you drive the lane at that size, dude. They put you in the front row. They will knock you the hell down. And that guy, you know, before Steph Curry, before Iverson even w- was just fearless. And 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 I'm I'm happy he gets the respect now, at least.
0: Great interview. So uh I have not watched the uh the documentary yet, but that's on the weekend to-do list, and I'm I'm excited about it.
2: All right, Luke, I got a couple uh for our final topic. Uh, you know, here and there, odds and ends to throw to. We got some video accompaniments. Uh Let's talk about Francis Ngannou briefly. Scott Coker of Bellator was interviewed by Ariel on Wednesday, and he said he has a meeting sort of loosely scheduled with Francis Ngannou. We know Ngannou's in a free agent period where he's talking to many different people globally at the moment to see what his best situation is. But we know from Scott Coker that Bellator does have interest. Well, you know, I caught up with Ryan Bader. I asked him straight up the idea of you get past Fedor in your rematch. If Bellator goes shopping and they get Francis Ngannou,
3: so that's something you're looking forward to hopefully i'll be done by then i'm <laughs> no, just joking uh yeah i've never backed down from a fight in my life i fought you know everybody in this in this division in 205 and you know it you know in my past in the ufc and all that kind of stuff and the belts are coming in here they jump it up to heavyweight i fought the who's who of mma you know and, and there's been fights when i walked in there and like how do i beat this dude and, and I, I pull it off you know so it's one of those things when You know, if it comes across the table and and it's something we need to do, you know, for sure. You know, do I want to fight him. Not really. But, you know, I I do believe that I have, um, you know, certain skills and everything to go out there and get the job done even with him. I wouldn't be in this sport if I I didn't think I could uh, go into that cage and beat anybody on that planet. I
2: like that answer, Luke. I like the joke up front and I like him being honest. Do I want to fight him? Not particularly, but I'm not going to back down. Luke, what would you think of a fight like that?
0: Well, I didn't hear a word of what he just said cuz I can I couldn't get the audio correctly. So, uh um
2: he he pump-faked and said that, you know, <laughs> he hopes he's retired by the time they find they sign Francis, but then he, you know, ultimately said he doesn't he doesn't look forward to that matchup, but he thinks he has the skills to win it. Would you be entertained by a potential Bader and Gano heavyweight title fight no.
0: Bellator? no, no, I have no interest whatsoever.
2: Okay. All right. There you go. Luke Thomas It's not for everybody. Speaking of Bellator, you know, Luke, if I'm going to host a show on Friday and I'm going to be all about the art and I come across a video of Sabah Homasi telling us why he's so freaking excited to throw hands against Brennan Ward in the opener of Saturday night's three fight main card at Bellator 290. I am going to have Mikey play that sound. Luke, I'm here to tell you that Sabah Homasi is excited. You ready to find out why?
0: Is he going to make some kind of ejaculation comment? I cannot
4: predict the future. Here we go. Let's go to the videotape. Right here in front of you, um, big slot opening the card on CBS against uh, another guy that f- fans have been clamoring for you to fight for for a couple years now. Um, how excited are you for this matchup and this opportunity? You'll see how excited I am on Saturday night. I'm going to come all over the place. I'm going to fucking blow my load. I'm going
1: to fucking beat this guy's face in.
4: All right, I think we can end it right there,
1: dude. That was better right, than I, that time.
0: I think I think we can end it right there, guys. That's uh, that's a wrap. That
1: was
2: better. You remember when Aljo was like, "I'm gonna come on top of his back and and take it and choke him out," and we were like, "Dude." Let's hold off on the former. The latter's fine with us. Well, yeah, uh, it's
0: been like the first five years of my hardcore fandom being like, I hate the people who are like, MMA is homoerotic. And now I'm like, dude, it's the most homoerotic sport on fucking earth. Please well, be uh,
2: serious. Yeah, somebody's going to get their rocks off Saturday, Luca. Let's hope for Homasi's sake it's him. All right. Also, Luke, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, uh, Bomani Jones has a show on HBO these days, and there was a teaser put out by the network of the interview that he has in the uh, hopper with Jake Paul. It got a little spicy. Let's check this out.
3: Tommy Fury, where do you go from there? Like, what happens if you lose one of these fights?
2: Um, I, I don't plan on losing. You know, I, I don't train to lose. Um, maybe that I, I feel like that's probably like your mindset. You know, a lot of people try to project their mindsets on
3: no, the no I ain't no projected of a mindset my question is this is work because we're all surprised that you keep winning these fights right but if somebody does beat you how much interest stays in this when it stops being surprised?
2: they won't they won't and and I'm going to be honest bro I don't know who the fuck you are my PR team set, Dude, set
3: up all this all I know about you is that people don't like you
0: <laughs> that that sounds that sounds vaguely like my father talking to me at my high school graduation yeah
2: yeah wow um is there a story there or was it just that jake didn't like the line of questioning
0: i mean here's the thing this is what you just get when you get people who aren't in the fight game interviewing fighters sometimes the interviews are better in some ways they're better in some ways they're worse or just you know because like you and i would never ask a fighter what happens if you lose because we've done it a million times already you just and you've seen it you just know what you're going to get the answer is i don't train to lose they're just not going to give you an answer there so we just kind of go the other way, right? You kind of have to work with them a little bit in terms of what their worldview allows for. It's a perfectly reasonable question for one of us, you know, or one of his advisors or something, but asking a fighter that, on the other hand, you know, like, is it, like, the saying things like, well, that must be you projecting. It's like, maybe just, like, try to understand that not everyone thinks the way you think and to answer this in a more, like, professional way. Like, it's not, I understand that's probably not the best question to ask, but it's not, like, an insult in the way that he took it. So that like there was just a you know you get the wires crossed like that a little bit you know.
2: Do you think a feud will rise up now? Because I've seen a lot of people go, "Oh my God, Bomani's going to hammer him out moving forward."
0: I, I No, like Bomani's audience doesn't watch Jake Paul anyway. Like any negative things Bomani says about him is going to have zero. Like that's why Jake said he didn't know him. It's not because Bomani doesn't have a major profile among sports media types as he does. It's that no one in Jake's audience watches him. I think that's pretty fair to say. So.
2: Do you think that's uh, a object, sick burn? I give shit at all. We see that from time to time. The sick burn of going, wait, who is that? I don't even know who you are. That's a that's like a Jake Paul go-to move, and I thought he delivered it, you know, kind of kind of well, kind of kind of cold here. But do you like
0: that? Well, comeback was good. He's like, well, dude, like, let's be honest about why I know you. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, that was good.
2: All right. Uh, Finally, Luke, just a little note. uh, How about this Bantamweight matchup? It's already been announced and we love it. Marlon Vera, Corey Sanhagen was supposed to be at the Apex on February 11th. Now going to get the full audience treatment. It's been moved to March 25th, San Antonio, Texas, the main event of a fight night card. Your reaction?
0: Um, I think it's, I, I, listen, when the pandemic hit, there were not many great parts about it, but uh, one of the things that I didn't mind was like the quietness of the Apex. Be like, oh, I need to hear the audience. Well, I mean, you know, each their own is what i would say but it also is just quite obviously clear at this point that um there's a big portion of the fan base that would clearly love to be there for that kind of a fight in that it's clear that between the media and the fans there's a portion of them that i would say the vast majority who would really like to see big five round main events that matter that are exciting that the fans are excited about not be put in the apex but being put in front of actual audiences well congratulations you're going to get it. And so if you're the kind of person that really relishes that, especially if you're in San Antonio, congratulations. But uh, I tend to think it's all good news, right?
2: Well, it's going to be March 25th, as I mentioned. And that same night, Showtime pay-per-view will be in Las Vegas when former Super Middleweight champions Caleb Plant and David Benavidez square off. We've been playing different clips to remind people of the the, the legitimate bad beef to, between them. Well, Luke, yesterday, oh, yeah. they had a hell of a press conference to kick things off. Um, this is a huge fight in a huge division. You don't even need a title at stake. Let's see what happened between these two on the stage.
4: been knocked the up. fuck out already, but Canelo puts you to sleep. That's don't. exactly what I'm going to do to you, too. Hey, you're, at, you're the, fucking, at the highest level, great highest fighters level, fight great fighters. You hit like a bitch. You got 13 fucking knockouts. So right? fucking
1: fight. You hit like a little bitch.
4: Ask Anthony uh, well, Durrell. What, 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 what you, I you do, to do Anthony so? Darrell. Do no, no,
1: no, no. Let him finish. Let him finish. Let him finish. Sorry. So, 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 let him finish. Finish what the fuck you got to say? You ain't going to do nothing. you ain't going to do nothing. You're scared.
4: You're scared. Look at you. You're scared. There's a lot of tough guy, raw rah stuff, you know, even fucking guys, fucking looks like he's about to cry. Look at his fucking eyes. I see I know a when I see one. Yeah. Even his dad, you know, senior, he he calls all types of fighters bitches and pussies I respect everybody. You a bitch. I respect everybody. You may um you know, you may hear a banner between fighters. You may even hear a fighter say something like, I've never lost to a white boy, and I'm not about to start now. Who the fuck said we, that? Did, when did I... Anthony did I Anthony Durrell? Did, I, I'm, not, Anthony Durrell? Do, I'm not talking am about you. Am I Anthony Darrell? So don't fucking... Don't bring that up. Like, if I'm the one saying that shit, too. I didn't say you said that. Finish what the fuck you gotta say. Then shut let the me, fuck up and get, quit wait,
1: wait, interrupting. What you wanna do?
4: Okay. okay. Right. Go ahead. Then. You go, fucking go, crazy. Go, what go, you
1: wanna go, do? Ahead. Go ahead. What you wanna do? We could've got outside from fucking himself. You're a fucking pussy. You're already fucking dude ain't scary. What ain't scary that's what, man. He keep, right. He's so mad. He's so mad. You're not going
4: to do nothing. Right so anyways, yeah, you know, you, you, no you hear Jose team, Senior, you know, boxing, he calls man. fighters Both bitches and pussies. And you may hear that between fighters, but you don't normally hear boxing coaches talking like that. And the reason you don't really you hear that man, is man, because a lot of boxing trainers you, you know, hurry up. They've, been in, the they've been they've been in the ring you gotta, gotta go around brother they've been in the ring go they run. fought before go exercise so you can but run. you've never fought close the fucking track you've never made that walk you never had to lace up a pair of gloves to feed you're your a family bitch. you don't know what it's you're like a bitch. so Sit it's down. easy for you to toss those words around bitch. because you've never had to do it you're a bitch
0: <laughs> this that fight's gonna be great i don't i don't care Dude. what anyone says that fight is gonna be great
2: i don't know how you could not love that even though it's you know back and forth swearing you're a pussy left and right like what do we want as as fight fans obviously we love technique and we love world titles and royalty dude we love old school grudges i don't like you i think you're a pos so let's go do it these two have hated each other for a long ass time and now the stars are aligning and just so you know luke the two teams nearly came to blows when they got out of the cars outside of the event and I saw on Twitter that they that some level of a fight did happen after this press conference between extended members of their team. So, like, this shit's real. I mean, he's calling out Senior telling him, you know, you ain't never fought before. I mean, this, I, dude, I'm here for this. Would you say this about Caleb Plant? You can love or hate his personality, but he wants every single inch of the smoke. He wants it yeah, he all.
0: Wants, he, he wants the smoke. And I made this point on a pre-show meeting, which was, man, like, people think that like the salty hardcore is like what they don't care about the beef at all. And the the reality is that's not true. The problem is that beef is so often introduced where it it doesn't really exist or it's magnified in obvious ways that didn't need to be, or it's too much the promotional focus when that really was, there were other more interesting angles about it. But when two guys have a genuinely organic dispute, which is actually rare, it actually does it like a, a true Hatfields and McCoys type situation, right? When there's like there's just bad blood all the way across. It is almost irresolvable. And it's real. Even if they never fought, it would be as real as as the you know, the the sunrise and sunset. When you get that, yeah, it absolutely makes a fight better. When you get that, that is that that extra something, that extra seasoning on top. Hit it with that garlic powder, nah. All that stuff, right? The good stuff. Yeah. that's what this is and then on top of it hello these are two of the best guys in that weight class like what is what is not to like
2: hit them <laughs> with the horns money yeah i mean like I- i'll tell you this um don't like Benavidez. i think should be the betting favorite and i don't even know what the odds are right now but don't sleep on who Caleb Plant is becoming with Stephen Breadman Edwards in his corner. And the confidence mm. is just, like, doubling and tripling. So could he do the same thing to Benavidez that he did to Darrell? I mean, I would doubt it, but, like, he is hop, willing be to.
0: Bernard Hopkins said he thinks Plant beats Benavidez and, and relatively easily at that. I don't know about that, but. Wow. Wow. B-, b hop doesn't doesn't rep him he's not a golden boy fighter you know none of that stuff none of those guys yeah, so we are going
2: um, to be on the ground in las vegas for this fight luke hopefully we'll get to host some of the fight week events like we get the chance to this is the type of way in press conference stream that I love hosting when there's some energy in that building. You know what I'm saying, Luke? Let's do this shit, okay? This is what I'm talking about. Now, I got one more clip, because after that near scuffle on stage, Caleb Plant did, and all, all the fighters did some uh, media scrums. Here's Caleb Plant talking about uh, Benavidez one more time.
0: Say his best attitude that you have to worry about. Uh, probably the big-ass titties he got. <laughs> play it again hold on no 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 play it again play it one more time play it one more time say his best attitude that you have to worry about uh probably the big ass titties he got
2: <laughs> dude he gave that deadpan he was like yep that's exactly what i'll be looking for like uh,
0: uh what's the what's the thing you have worry about most probably them big ass titties uh that's wow. me before my date at prom you know there like, it what, is what are you what are you most worried is going to trip you up tonight Probably some big-ass titties, if I'm just being it, 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 totally it. Well, honest.
2: Well, look. on that note, it's time to hear a word from one of our sponsors.
0: Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to bluenile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's bluenile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. Bluenile.com.
2: Could I read off that screen any more deliberately, there, there, Luke? But uh, you know, you think if they ask Caleb Plant why he, what's the number one reason why you picked? private internet uh, security. And he was like the big ass titties
0: titties he got, you know, probably Probably. Uh,
2: Luke real quick uh, uh, on the way out before we get to our final segment, I wanted to congratulate uh, Evan Korn of top rank. People know him as, as one of the better boxing uh, PR guys in this game today, he is still going to be doing some PR, but he's announced that he is going to transition into more of a matchmaking role with top rank moving forward, getting to learn under the, you know, sit under the learning tree of the hall of famers. Like, Bruce uh Brad Goodman, Bruce Trampler, you know. Um, I mean th- like a good guy in the business. He's a ginger though, Luke, but a good guy in the business and um really happy for him in that regard. You ever you ever meet the corner man or no? You're not a big uh
0: I may fan. have met him at an event, but I don't I don't I don't have a professional relationship with him. No. All right,
2: top rank also acquired uh Gabe Rivas, who's one of the best translators and PR men in the game. He used to work with Golden Boy. So congrats on the, the new gigs for them. And Luke, Edgar Berlanga, the unbeaten super middleweight who top rank effectively divorced. Did you see he's narrowing his search down to Golden Boy, Eddie Hearn in Matchroom Sport, and Al Heyman and the PBC. He's been courted by Mm. all three, and he's going to make a choice. I know you're not huge on his long-term potential, but imagine if he parachuted down into the land of PBC at 168. That could could be pretty interesting, right?
0: Okay, let's say he fought Andre. Who would win?
2: I hear you. I hear you. I mean, he might, maybe he goes to wherever Canelo goes. There are rumors, by the way, that Canelo wants to come back as early as May 5th and fight in Mexico against mandatory John Ryder. I don't know if that would
0: move you at all. Yeah. I saw that report as well. And I have like, I mean, less than zero interest in that. So.
2: All right. There you go. Our final segment, it begins with an email morning at gmail.com. Every Friday, we give you the chance to, to get back at us, to say, Hey, I sat through, you know, 10, 12 hours of you two slobs on the microphone and, that one time you said some shit that was just not true, and I've it's got not received,
1: true. Not I true. got receipts
2: to prove it. It's the pedantic pos home. It's called dead wrong. Mm, 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 We've got mm. angry male viewers. viewers. There we go. Uh, here we go. This is from Telvin, dude. Telvin, keep papa Luke from Hawaii. You know this guy, right?
0: Uh, not personally, but yeah. Okay. He
2: says, aloha. This is your favorite Hawaiian viewer. This dead wrong is for Luke episode 482 at 2930 into the video. Luke said tough on ESPN plus did one season. That's dead wrong. They did two. The first one was (laughs) Volk versus T city. The second one was Nunes Pena. You probably would have known that if you didn't. Yeah, you probably would have known that if you didn't go back to vaping to to old wash piece of shit. I know the PFL Smart Cage wouldn't have made that mistake. Also, when you guys sure. are done with the UK, any chance you guys are doing a live show in Hawaii at the world's Ooh. renowned lava shack? <laughs> it would be a great show. Keep up the great work.
0: And P.S. We seriously we need to do a live podcast from the lava shack. That, has that to would be amazing.
2: I mean, dude, forget we don't need Dan Hardy there. We'll just get BJ. That'd be for <laughs> Governor Penn. That'd be fantastic. But. uh Telvin also says, "Hey, BC, thanks for the follow on IG. Look, I follow fans if they if they enter the you know the the inner." Yeah, dude, you club. love
0: giving cats to stray milk, and then six months later being like, "Dude, this guy is sending me nothing but dick pics." What do I that's, say? That has never happened. And that I'm always never... like, you don't start by not accepting those invites. That's what you do. All right, hey
2: Derek is here. He says, "Well, good old fuckstick McGee is back at it during the intro to episode 404." BC remarked that James Hetfield acknowledged that Metallica sold out every show, every night. He's likely referring to the Behind the Music episode about the band from the late 90s. I am. Unfortunately for our vinyl-obsessed basement dweller, that quote is properly attributed to former bassist Jason Newstead. He's a stud. uh, So Derek says Newstead is a stud, but Hetfield ain't thanks fellas safe travels to the uk well i heard hetfield say that on the behind the music so am i dead wrong because i didn't attribute no i the think origin? you're i think you're
0: misremembering who said it i think he's right that actually on camera um at the time the bassist said it he's no longer with them but uh
2: um i i think i think hetfield said that i don't know i'll get back at derek though he said uh safe travels to probably the UK. catch it Thank
0: somewhere you. online
2: Probably catch a catch a fade from from this guy. The DC internet, yeah. knocking in the UK. Uh, all our right? producer is telling
0: us that the uh, that the uh, the fans said that that Telvin is right, or whoever the fuck said this.
2: Derek from the UK, yeah, not Telvin. Yeah. yeah, all right. Finally, we got TJ here. He says this is TJ from Victoria in beautiful British Columbia. I have two dead wrongs for y'all. Both are attributed to my fellow Indian, Luke Thomas. Oh, at the No. Web- at the one hour, eleven minute, and forty six second mark, when BCX asked Luke whether the mandatory military service was the reason for Dooho Choi's absence from the UFC, he said I didn't Luke fucking know. Luke said, "Quote that would have been four years," implying the mandatory military Ooh. service of Koreans is a minimum of four years. Luke, you're dead wrong. The mandatory military service for able-bodied South Korean men is only a minimum of eighteen to twenty one months.
0: Interesting. Yes. Did not know that. Okay
2: uh the second dead wrong is an oldie during the holiday mailbox episode. What the hell is the holiday mailbox? Yeah. Oh
0: Mail bag,
2: mailbag, mailbag, you bag of dicks. Uh at three minutes and 46 seconds, Luke recommends the animated movie Klaus and says, I watched one of net on Netflix recently that won an Academy yes. Award. Yes, Uh, We're we're talking about Seabiscuit again. Uh, Luke, once again, you're dead wrong. Although surely nominated for best animated feature, it did not win the prestigious award. That honor. Yes, that's the correct spelling of the word. H O N O U R was given to Toy Story four. I don't care. Uh, he says, Luke, TJ says, you may want to examine the contents of the hair gel that your DC barber applies when you get that $100 haircut. It seems to be depleting your brain count dramatically. Be that as it may, you seem to have reached your intellectual upper bound limit, and it's all downhill from hair. Yeah, Jokes probably. aside, I wish you guys success. Have a fantastic trip to the
0: UK. He it's is TJ. right. It was nominated for an Academy Award. It won a BAFTA, uh, I believe. BC, you know what BAFTA is? uh
2: is that the film festival in Banff is that the Banff film film the
0: BAFTA is like the British Oscars it's their version oh no I it. didn't know that I didn't know that yeah that so it, won, it looks yeah. like it won it looks like it won a BAFTA and then it got nominated for a bunch of other shit so it did get nominated by for best animated feature and it's very very good it's very good
2: okay so Luke while you are currently through two weeks kicking my my arsehole in on the okay bet competition I think we need a dead wrong scoreboard because, dude. Oh you Jesus! Are...
0: I had two bad weeks, motherfucker. You are seventy percent of the dead wrongs. I don't think so. so. You, you... I don't think so. You want to play the... so. Okay. You know what, dude? We can play the long game on this, motherfucker. We can okay. play the long okay. game on this. Look,
2: if you ask the history of my dating life, I've been playing the long game for years, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. oh usually alone though unfortunately all right yeah, that, that was morning combat so. at gmail.com if you want to reach out to mikey and touch him all right there you go hey Luke. what a show right what a freaking show way,
0: i'm gonna say this on the air because otherwise i'm gonna forget i think we should do on mondays a recap of how friday's picks went right put that yeah, off put, yeah. we can revisit it very quickly on on friday show here's how we did last yeah. week But I think – I don't know how Mikey feels about this. Mikey, I think we should recap the results of the weekend on Monday's show. I think that uh, it would work a little bit better that way. Basically, you're saying
2: if we don't show that we care about this segment, no one else will. That's what you're showing. That's what you're saying. No, it just seems
0: like, hey, the weekend's over. How did it go? Right? How did it go? Yeah.
2: All right. Well, thank you, Mikey Mormal of CBS Sports for your fantastic production work. Shout out, of course, to Showtime, all the labels that pay us. You can get 30 days free of Showtime by going to Showtime.com right now. Uh, don't miss, obviously, Saturday night, 9 p.m. Eastern on CBS. It's Bellator 290. You can catch the prelims 6 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and Pluto TV. Excuse me for that belch. Uh, Luke, you and I are going to be all over CBS Sports HQ for the next two days, setting that stage there for Bellator. Um, reminder, Luke will be post-fight Saturday night, morning. Uh, YouTube.com slash morning combat. It's a Bellator 290 instant reaction and analysis hey look can we just put to bed i know i've complained about this before but i still get people the rare times i do in ia of saying i can't believe you didn't say no spoiler you know spoiler alert at the beginning i mean are you freaking kidding me they're yeah, like you don't understand
1: interested.
2: if you if you haven't seen the fight and you're actively on youtube clicking on a video that says instant reaction and you're saying to yourself, well, I'll just enjoy the intro until they tell me spoiler alert, and then I'll drop off. Why don't you just drop off in general?
0: Yeah. All yeah. right. Just eat a, bu- eat a bucket of scorpions. I don't care. I'm <laughs> not <a good> <laughs> I just know. All right.
2: Uh, that's all we got. Take great care of yourselves, guys. We will be back Monday. Uh, that'll be a regular episode, but we're leaving on a jet plane. Don't know when I'll be back again, but London is calling. February eighth, next Wednesday, guys. I, like we talked about, about twenty ish tickets remaining. And if you're going to sit, you're going to sit in the way back. But it's a uh, a fine place they got there. Look, do you know that uh, King's Place, where we're having this venue, is also the home of the Guardian offices?
0: I didn't. I didn't. Do you read the Guardian often? No. Yeah. Do does, you, re- do you the... read often? Is actually a better no, question. <laughs> no. Does the Warlock
2: work there? I know he works for like every British outlet. Who? The Warlock. Gareth no, I don't think.
0: I think he works at like the Independent, or I don't think he All works right. at Gu- Guardian. Is largely like a left wing. Would you be
2: shocked if we went to the live show and Gareth was just a donk in the crowd?
0: Uh, would I be surprised? Only if he's clothed. All right. Only I've, I've
2: been trying to get him for room service diaries for a while. I'd love to hear some stories, but you're like, I don't know if that, you know, we may get canceled. We may you know, you're like, we may get canceled.
0: It's not even that. I'm just going to want to reserve the couch for, uh, you know, we give it to Chuck or whatever, but like I don't want to get in the habit of interviewing media guys. Like, I don't, all right, I don't There care you go. Myself.
2: There you go. You can get your pod live tickets right now by hitting that QR code down there. Uh, there's a few left, but it's going to be 90 minutes of glory. Outlaw Dan Hardy, BCLT, we got Jake von Amsterdam. You can see Tristan's sleeve. I mean, would it be inappropriate if I told Tristan he has to wear a tank top as security so that people can see the uh, rabbit animal? I think think
0: you telling another man he has to wear a tank top to work is going to cause some problems. Mm -hmm. All
2: right. All right. Big fan of that guy just the same. Big fan of all of you. Enjoy the fights this weekend. It should be a wild time. And it's only going to get better next week with 284 with MK in the U.K., uh big pay-per-views and boxing coming up in the aftermath i mean what a great time and look it's been a mild winter until t- tomorrow when it's going to be negative 25 in connecticut but it's been mm-hmm. a very mild winter so i don't want to jinx it All right. apparently you don't we, suffer from seasonal depression it's more of like a lifetime depression but we,
0: we we can close this show we should we could have closed it easily a minute or two ago we're just
2: all right let's close that door for uh for everybody thank you uh we've we've uh yeah you're right i should end it we're out route.